2: You're listening to New Books in Geography, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host for today, Stentor Danielson, from the Department of Geography, Geology, and the Environment at Slippery Rock University. Today, I'll be talking to James C. Rhodes and Susan Ramlow, others along with Dan B. Thomas of Cultivating Q Methodology, essays honoring Stephen R. Brown, published last year by the International Society for the Scientific Study of Subjectivity. Uh, Dr. Rhodes, Dr. Ramlow, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks. Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: So to start off, why don't you each tell our listeners a little bit about your own background and how you came to be working on this book?
1: All right. Well, um, let me start. I um, am a professor of political science at Westminster College, and I've been there uh, since the early 1990s. And um, I've been interested in subjectivity for a long time and did my graduate work at Kent State University and was fortunate enough to have Stephen Brown Uh, the foremost expert on Q methodology, as my dissertation advisor. And so that really began my um, career in in using Q methodology as a research tool. And uh, I teach in the political science department at Westminster and uh, teach some of the standard courses that one might expect in political science, uh, courses in the presidency and the Congress and uh, those such things. But I also have an interest in uh, the interconnection between politics and popular culture. So I teach coursework in that area as well. And um, so that's, I guess, basically who I am.
3: All right, well, I'll go next. Um, I'm Sue Ramlow. Um, I am a professor at the University of Akron in Akron, Ohio. Um, I had a very different kind of pathway, a much more crooked pathway to Q methodology. I actually Started off as an industrial physicist in the radiation detection industry, which seems pretty far away from Q. Um, and then I became a faculty member at the University of Akron in 1994. And um, as part of my dissert, post dissertation, um, I was at a conference not not a Q conference and. Somebody who was one of my peers at the university mentioned Q Methodology to me and and how he thought it would solve all the questions that I had about student evaluation of teaching, suggested that I get the little green book from Sage called Q Methodology by Bruce McCune and Dan Thomas, and I got totally sucked into Q. Uh, I did a lot of Physics education research to start off, and then I have kind of gone all over the place. Everything from healthcare to STEM education to just higher ed um, research. So a little bit of everything, I guess you could say. I see, I see Q studies everywhere I look.
2: All right. So at this point, probably we've got some listeners thinking, what the heck is Q methodology? Uh, so can you give us the, the overview, the big picture? What is Q methodology? How does it work? What is it useful for?
1: Well, it's uh, a method that was uh, developed by William Stevenson uh, to measure subjectivity. And Stevenson was a uh, prolific uh, scholar. He had held PhDs in both of psychology and physics. And he innovated Q methodology, which is a means of, again, measuring people's subjective uh, viewpoints about any topic that one could imagine. And it's done by rank ordering uh, items. And once you get a number of people to do that, uh, rank ordering these items, uh, you factor analyze them, which is a statistical technique and it demonstrates that there are different viewpoints that that are shared and uh, you can describe and compare and contrast those viewpoints it's a, again it's a it's a means of bringing science into uh, studying subjective viewpoints and so its utility goes across all of the human sciences it goes you know it, Q methodology has been used to study people's reactions to literature to um to motion pictures, to political ideas, to uh, elements in, in geography, and, uh, and all kinds of, uh, of enterprises that people are involved in. And I know that's a pretty broad overview, and it, it may still leave a lot of questions. I'll let Sue carry on from there. Maybe I'll cut, circle back with a few other points. <laughs>
3: Okay. Yeah. I guess we should have practiced an elevator speech. huh? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, subjectivity basically relates to viewpoints, perspectives, opinions, judgments, personal preferences. So it's not about facts. It's about what's internal to people, which makes it really difficult to see because you know what you think in your head, but it's pretty difficult even to explain in a conversation what you think to somebody else. So Q allows us through the sorting of items, usually statements, to get a snapshot of individuals' viewpoints based on a condition of instruction. So we might ask students to sort um, a set of 50 statements into a grid from most like their view to most unlike their view based on right how they feel about a certain class, right? So they might have statements like, this class is boring. This class is valuable to my future. Um, all kinds of subjective statements that they order or organize in order to represent how they feel about, right. A certain course or anything as Jim pointed out. So, well, it literally can be applied to any kind of discipline. Um, And then, right. We use statistics to group sorts that are similar. And those similar sorts are that are grouped mathematically are called factors, and each factor represents a unique viewpoint. So we might have 20 people sort 50 statements and end up with two or three unique views that through the way the analyses work, we can not only see who is represented by those views, but we can describe those views in great detail. So it's kind of a combination of words and mathematics or qualitative and quantitative um, aspects of research so that we can see where people align and we can find out by studying their subjectivity a lot of, about their behavior, maybe if we want to make a course more interesting, we could use the results of a Q study to make some changes, right? So we can use it in assessment, we can use it in marketing. It's it's just kind of endless. Yeah,
1: and I would also uh, make the point that it's, it's uh, extremely useful in uh, discovering what these various uh, disc- discourses are. You can imagine a situation in which, um, let's say, uh, you're the department chair of a, of, of, a, of a department and you've got some issues going on among the faculty in the, in the, in the department. Um, a cue study of, of that, those viewpoints might help to clarify the things that are not only that people are disagreeing about, but in that instance, the things that they are agreeing about, agreeing with, and those are the things that you might want to be able to move on in a policy way, right? So you, you you have two groups that you think are disparate, and in many ways they are, but there are certain things that they agree with. And you can then uh, make great progress as a as a unit on those things that they agree with. So there's various ways of using this. It's not only to point out what are the differences amongst groups, but what might be similarities.
3: And I'll I'll add too that most people are used to doing surveys where they have to respond, right, one to five about how they feel about an individual statement. And typically, when those kinds of um, methods are used to look at opinions, for instance, right they look at everything in aggregate so everything kind of as a normative approach so they take the average of all those values and come up with an overall opinion but that opinion might not represent any actual opinions i sometimes tell the story of a former department chair where part of our process of evaluating him was to rank him on a scale of one to seven. And when all the numbers were crunched, right, he had about a three and a, somewhere between three and a half and four out of seven. But when you read the qualitative comments that people had also submitted, it just didn't seem like there was a middle of the road kind of view. And so, when the head of that committee plotted the data points for the rankings the faculty gave, there were basically lots of rankings that were one and two. So really weren't happy at all with this department chair's performance. And others were six to seven. They really liked that department chair. So obviously there wasn't one view that was at three and a half or somewhere in the middle. Q lets you tease out those differences and that makes it incredibly useful and it eliminates this assumption that there's just one view that we can find by aggregating all of the values collected.
2: Yeah, and just to add my own perspective into the picture here right you could even find out that all those people that were ranking that guy really low there's actually like two separate camps that like hate him for totally different reasons and q would let mm-hmm. you team that out as well
3: right yeah
2: yeah and you know i i just want to echo as well the, the point of how many different areas q is applicable to and this is something that i think you know, comes through in the selection of chapters in the book because you know here i am i'm the host of the geography channel and i've used q in a, a variety of geography and environmental studies kind of context with super fun site cleanups and wildfire management and environmental justice um and you know i'm talking to a physicist and a, a political scientist and uh you know hopefully this interview will get cross-posted across a number of the nbn channels as well because there's so many different areas that you could apply, uh, Q to.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, if you just look at the three of us, I mean, we've all published, uh, Q studies in such wide variety of, you know, uh, areas. And, um, even though we are all have our own disciplines and much of the, of course of what we do is obviously related to our disciplines, but, uh, you know, you just take a look at, some of the things that you uh you know it 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 really is a wide variety
2: yeah okay so now that we know what q method is let's talk about who Stephen r brown is why why is he important enough to have a whole essay collection dedicated to him
1: uh all right well I, uh, i'll start again and sue can certainly follow up uh Stephen brown was one of uh William Stevenson's graduate students. And, uh, he has made it his life in his academic life to promote the ideas of William Stevenson and, uh, Q methodology. And there's nobody, uh, who has written more about Q methodology than Stephen Brown. And within that group of Q methodological scholars, uh, he has, uh, enormous reach, uh, I can't imagine of the people who do Q methodology that they haven't at one time or another or more, uh, consulted him, um, about their own projects. And, um, not only is he a prolific writer of an author of Q methodological works, he is a mentor to, uh, so many of us in the, in the Q community. Um, I described him earlier as the foremost expert on Q methodology, and I, I don't think there's really any debate about that. Um, he runs not only, as he published quite a bit, he runs a listserv uh, in which he responds uh, pretty regularly, as I think all of us would attest, to people's questions, whether they're um, elementary kinds of questions by newbies or whether they are sophisticated questions by Veteran Q-methodologists. Um, he's also began the journal uh, that's the and the society from which that journal is sponsored, the International Society for the Scientific Study of Subjectivity, and their journal um, Opera and Subjectivity. So he's just been a seminal figure in, um, I, I would argue, second only to Stevenson, in the study of subjectivity. So I'm not sure I left you much to.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I I I'll say, I, I concur. I, I I refer to him, and Steve is so modest that I don't really think he appreciates it when I refer to him as the living god of Q methodology. But he really is. He's he's just, and it's amazing. I mean his his knowledge of Q and historically um, the paths of Q and what came. um from uh, William Stevenson, I, he's just like an encyclopedia of knowledge. Um, and 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 like Jim said, he's always willing to give and help others um, learn more about Q, answer their questions. I mean, that's really how we ended up with the title. Cultivating Q methodology because we we bounce the number of titles around, and in the end, we we decided that that's really what Steve has done with his academic career, despite the fact that he has been retired for from Kent State for a number of years, although he still teaches, no longer in political science, but in um, in their um, I think it's assessment and measurement, yeah. Um, but but he is he is he is in his eighties and still giving and talking about Q all all the time. And he just we really wanted something to help him see how important his contribution has been to Q, but also to each of us. Um, the authors of chapters are really just a sampling of people who owe a great deal to Steve and, and his endless support and help. And when we first started kicking
1: around the idea of, of a book in, in his honor, uh, the three c- uh, co-editors, all represent different stages in Steve's career, which was, I think, very fortunate that, that it worked out that way. Uh, Dan Thomas is was one of Steve's first graduate students, among his first graduate students. And so, you know, he was working with Steve when Steve was quite young and, and you know, was starting to make a name for himself and so forth. I came along a bit later, and by that time, Steve was in mid-career. He had, he had already cemented his role as, as a leader in the Q Methodology movement. Um, and then Sue got to know him a bit later, and by that time, he was a senior scholar who um, you know, had been had, been the, um, had won the Lastwell Award at the uh, International Society of Political Psychology, he had been elected the executive director of the International Society of Political Psychology, so we we came to know Steve at various points in his career, and and I think that made for a nice um, a nice rounded out for our editorship of this of this volume.
2: Yeah. So, and this might be a good place for me to offer my own Stephen Brown story, which isn't in the book because I wasn't involved with this particular. Publication that you know, my my dissertation used Q, and I submitted the first article uh, from my dissertation, and got a message from the editor of the journal saying, "Hey, one of the reviewers wants to do like a published response uh, to your your article." Uh, and then, and when it came out, it was Stephen Brown um, writing this response to my article, and so my first reaction was be like mortified like you know the the biggest name in q method you know felt the need to like write this thing about why he disagreed my my first article as a brand new professor i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna have to like you know crawl in a hole and and never come out but then shortly after that i got a message from from him saying, hey, I saw that you're at Slippery Rock, which is just down the road from Kent State. Why don't you come out? We'll have dinner and you can present on your research to my Q Method grad seminar. So, you know, just the most gracious and, um, you know, helpful, you know, probably the coolest thing that could have happened to a brand new PhD in the first semester of their first full-time teaching job to have the sort of leading figure of the field that I was working on um, invite me out to present his class right after having like rebutted my first article in print. So Uh,
1: You know, that, that's a great story. And it's, it's so, it's common with him, you know, I mean that he's uh, I, that's just the way he is. And he has been so helpful to so many people. Um, and, and I make the point in, in one of in my introduction to him, that he is also very good at l- letting people mature in that, in that uh, in Q methodology. And so, you know, he, he'll, he, he's there to guide, but he understands the, the beginning of everybody's, you know, foray into this. There are going to be certain things that they don't quite get yet, but they will get. And when they do get it, uh, he's there to work with you again at a sort of different level. So he, he's just a, a really a, a tremendous uh, educator as well as a, as a uh, great scholar.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
2: Okay, so let's talk then a bit about the specific chapters that uh, make up this book. So looking down the list of chapter authors, You've got a lot of the big names in, in Q, sort of the next tier down under Stephen Brown in terms of prominence in the Q community, but then also some people that I personally didn't recognize that aren't aren't quite as uh, prominent. And they're people from uh, across a lot of different uh, disciplines and, and fields. So can you talk about the, the set of authors that you've got, sort of how you uh, found all those folks and got them involved with the book project and kind of how they collectively represent the breadth of the Q community. Yeah. Um,
1: well, we reached out to a number of people that uh, we thought would want to contribute to this uh, project. And uh, frankly, there were almost no one who said no. And those who said no didn't say no because they, they didn't think this was a worthy project. It was just that they were at a stage in their life when they were retired or something. And they just, you know, were they just weren't wanting to be involved in any kind of writing any longer. Um, and we looked for people too, who had uh, had long relationships with, with uh, Steve in either uh, having been graduate students of his or someone that he had worked with over time in the society. And so there are people like Mike Strickland, who was also a graduate student of William Stevenson's, as well as um, Rob Logan, as well. Um, There there are a number of a few of those folks that are still um, with us. And uh, then again, people who've just been involved in the society for a long time. Uh,
3: Sue, do you have any other thoughts about that? Um, um, no, that's pretty much it. I mean, there there might be people who, <clears throat> at at by the time Stentner, by the time you and I kind of got into the Q um, groove, had already basically retired or or were no longer deeply involved, like uh, Dave Gillespie, who was one of Steve's students who. Did work on um, third parties in in uh, political science, so but his work is older. But we, that was part of the idea that we could kind of put together varied stories about how people either use Q or what working with Steve Brown meant to them, and so that's how we ended up with those three different sections, the legacy section, the methodology section and the application section because we pretty much gave authors kind of free reign within pretty broad guidelines about what they wanted to write in their their chapters.
2: And that's actually a great segue because I wanted to talk about kind of each of those three sections. So, you know, we don't really have time to talk about each individual chapter on its own, um, but we can kind of talk at them of that that level of that the sections and some of the different kinds of things that uh, readers will find in this book so let's start with that the first section the legacy section that is more about you know stephen brown himself and his role in the development of q so can you talk a bit about you know what's what's in that section what we learn from those chapters
1: uh, Sue, why don't you start with that? I feel okay, like I'm okay. starting all the time.
3: Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, for instance, Jim Good has is really a psychology historian, and um, so he wrote about William Stevenson, but within an interesting context that kind of showed the progression of Stevenson's career, and then that was a nice segue into. Um Mike Strickland's work that was very much focused on kind of visualizing Q methodology and finding ways to communicate. Um, he's really a journalism person and so he's he was very focused on ways of communication and communicating um, things relative to Q and in his, within his discipline of journalism. Um, and then Paul Stenner um, has done a lot of work um, with Q, but um, intertwined with constructivism. And um, he also wanted to write about how his research was basically buoyed by Steve Brown. And then I already mentioned Dave Gillespie a little bit where his is really kind of a a progressive story of what he did with Q, but within kind of a framework of Steve's continued um, influence on his research and his investigations. You wanna add anything to that, Jim?
1: No, I think that that's a really good uh, summary of that kind of section. And there were people, you know, and again, as Sue said, we gave them wide latitude as to what they wanted to write about. And once we got a sort of abstract from each of them, that's when we decided that this formula made sense because there were people who wanted to write about what Steve really had meant to them in their life and in their career and so on and so forth. And there were other people who wanted to focus on methodological issues that they certainly had either learned from him or at least were informed by him, and so that formed that section. And then the last section were simply, you know, Q studies that um, uh, people could see the utility of the of the method. And uh, so that's really. And then of course the last section was, or the last thing we put in was a bibliography uh, so that people can have as up to the date as we could do it, um, at least at the time of the printing of Steve's exhaustive um, bibliography, which I don't know, it's more than a hundred publications at least.
3: <laughs> It's so, very long. It's very long. I think it's like 20 something pages. I think that was, maybe that was just the Word document. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe.
1: And in the methodology section, you know, uh, again, some very sort of important issues in the Q community uh, about the methodology are addressed in in those issues. Uh, Amanda Wolf on Q sorting, Sue on what a science of subjectivity might be. Um, Brasswell, Robert Brasswell's chapter on um, rotation of Q data and how uh, he demonstrates some very important concepts in that, in that, um, in that chapter. It's, it's really well, well done. Uh, and it, it takes on some of the uh, folks in Q methodology who are insistent more on statistical technique, uh, more preoccupied with that than perhaps they ought to be, and he demonstrates why that's the case. So there's some really interesting things in there. Uh, that article at the end of the section that uh, Thomas and McEwen and, and I did on popular culture and how to use Q methodology to study popular culture, I, I think is, uh, if I may say so myself, is an interesting chapter because it it, it demonstrates um, how it, it, Q methodology can be brought to the study of, of an area in which um, those who practice in the popular culture field, uh, I can tell you they have some difficulty with that because once you start throwing numbers around, they get all panicked because they believe you're going to be reductionist and you're going to miss the bigger picture in understanding uh, the phenomenons of popular culture. But that's not at all the case. And what we demonstrate, I think, in this article is that what's interesting about popular culture is the popular Right, so the people's viewpoints about in in that case the television show Breaking Bad helps to explain why that that uh, television show was so resonant with the American public. Um, so at, at any rate, that I think that's a an interesting uh, chapter in that um, in that group of articles. They're all very interesting. I'm not saying that's more interesting than the others. It was just one that I'm more familiar with for obvious reasons. And then the applications um, section with articles by uh, Ali and Kenzie. Ali is a graduate student of Dennis Kenzie's at Syracuse University, and that may have been one of the names that you weren't familiar with. Uh, Baker and Van Exel on Q-methodology and questionnaires, which certainly, I guess, could have gone in the methodology section. Those are all decisions that, you know, you you make that, is this methodology? Is this an application? Uh, Boss's article on the Constitution in the public mind, again, an interesting article because it, it, Boss is one of Steve's earliest graduate students. And what he did his dissertation on public images of the Constitution, what it meant to people. And of course, he's doing this at a time of, of great turmoil in the country over the Vietnam War and so forth, he, want, he goes back 45 years later and gets many of the same people who did that Q-sort in the early 1970s to do it again. And the interesting thing there is there's, it shows great stability of those factors that he first got in, oh, I don't know, 1971 or 72, and again 45 years later. So it's an interesting look. And then McEwen and and Thomas on uh, civil religion, which was something that was of an an area of both great interest to to both of them. Um, And uh, it's an outstanding application. So I think there's a lot in this book for people who are interested in subjectivity and interested in Q methodology.
2: Yeah. And at the risk of slighting the people that I don't mention you know I think the the chapter that you mentioned there on rotation was uh, a particularly important one I think both for me because that's one aspect of Q that I don't have a strong grasp on and it was really great to see it sort of laid out visually how different approaches to rotation can affect the conclusions you would draw from the same uh, data set, but then also because I know that that's an issue that Steve Brown cares about a lot and yes. you know, very often see him posting on the listserv and stuff that he has, you know, has strong opinions about uh, the use of rotation and, and, you know, how to do it. And, and as you said, you know, not just relying on the statistics to do the work for you um, when you're doing a, a Q study. So I, yeah, I, really I agree,
1: Yeah, it's it's a really important chapter.
2: Yeah, and then I was also glad to see a, a chapter on combining Q method with surveys because that was actually the topic of that article that I mentioned earlier that uh, Steve published the response to me on. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: So it's good to see that uh, that aspect of Q still getting uh, attention, and I think that's also. Uh, you know, for listeners that aren't as familiar with Q to see that, you know, you can combine Q method with other methodologies, you know, you don't have to just do Q, you can use Q and surveys and various other things to all get different perspectives on the same topic.
3: Yep, yep. Well, and I think also one of the neat things about the authors and the chapters, it's, it just kind of ended up that everybody wrote about what they were most passionate about and what they typically would have had intense conversations with Steve Brown about. So like for instance, my chapter on the science of subjectivity that that came about mostly because when Steve and I have coffee or talk, a lot of times we we talk about science and we talk about Q and we talk about subjectivity. So that just seemed to be the right topic. And I think that's true for, for all of the authors. I think that's, that's one of the neat things that kind of, I mean, we couldn't have forced that to happen. It just kind of did.
1: Yeah. I'd echo that. I think that's exactly right. And I think it, it, you know, it it turned out to be a wise decision to give people as much latitude as we could, because I'm not sure that that would have happened otherwise, you know, um, so yeah, I I completely agree.
2: All right. So then, so let's say somebody is listening to this podcast and they're like wow this q methodology thing seems really cool i'm interested in learning more about it interested in you know maybe trying it out for myself obviously one place that they could start is uh steve brown's work you know he's got his book political subjectivity that kind of lays out how q works and you know lots of other articles that are in that bibliography Uh, but is there anywhere else that you would suggest as kind of a, a starting point for somebody who's interested in q um wants to sort of learn about it try it out where should, they, where should they go?
3: They could start off at the I4S website, which is www.qmethod.org. And there are links there to some videos on YouTube, including some old videos um, that have been digitized of Steve Brown lecturing. Um, there is a link to our society's journal, Operant Subjectivity. Um, which has a new home and it is now going to be open access. So there's lots of articles by Steve Brown and William Stevenson and a plethora of others that they can access. Um, There's some other resources up there as well. So I think that would be a good starting point. I'm also still a big fan of the Sage Text the Little Green Book, as we usually call it, by McCune and Thomas. Um, it's their most recent one is the second edition, which is 2013. That's a really good starting point if one is a little um, overwhelmed by seeing the thickness of Steve Brown's book, although that is very much a, a kind of a Bible of Q methodology. it I always say if you're looking for... The answer to a question, right, about a variety of things related to Q. Chances are you can find it in Steve Brown's political subjectivity book. Jim, do you have any other suggestions?
1: I, I think those are all uh, outstanding um, suggestions. Uh, they, you know, and, and as Stenner mentioned as well, there are articles that Steve has written, as well as Stevenson, obviously. Um, I remember Steve wrote a, a primer on Q methodology, and I can't recall if operant subjectivity printed that or not, or whether it's just sort of out there, um, but it, it's also, and it, it, that can be found on in a Google search. Uh, there's PDFs of it available. Uh, the um, political subjectivity is also available as a PDF, and I believe there's a link on our on the society's webpage. To okay. yes.
3: yes, there is. So
1: there's all kinds of, of, of things that uh, folks can, but I agree with Sue, the website is the, is, should be the first stop.
2: All right. Well, as we're moving towards the end of our time here, I'd like to ask you each what you're working on next. What are your, your upcoming projects, whether Q related or not?
1: Okay, um, well, I, I've got a couple of things going on, but one thing that I'm really concentrating on is a, uh, an edited volume on uh, applications of Q methodology to the study of popular culture. So that's something that I'm, I'm working on. But I'm also working on um, case studies, individual case studies. Um, I've done a, several of these, but I'm revisiting one of my subjects, and I'm also going to do something with a family member of that subject. So I'm looking at family dynamics and how political ideas are formed within a family unit and so forth. And when I say single case, just, you know, we usually talk about Q methodology is a number of people responding to the same stimulus items. And then we do the factor analysis and we have these various groups of people with various uh uh, viewpoints. In a single case, you take one subject and you give them a Q sort and they sort that Q sort, the, the sample of statements, a number of times under various conditions of instruction. So it might be, what is my view? They do it. and maybe a day or two later, they do, what would my mother's view be? Uh, two or three days later they do, what would my father's view, what would my father like, what view would my father like me to have and this kind of thing until you can uh, use that strategy to tap into psychodynamics and so forth. So I'm back, I've done a long answer to your question. I'm involved in single case research again, but I'm also working on a, a book prospectus for um, applications of Q into popular culture.
3: And I'm in the throes of a uh, study, just just kind of starting off developing my concourse, um, but it will be looking at retention of engineering students in college, undergraduates, um, why why they might change their major and why they might stay. There's a lot of studies both very quantitative and very qualitative that look at this topic. But as I was talking about earlier, they look at things more or less in aggregate. And I'm looking for kind of interaction. So are there, is there a certain combination of persp- uh, within a perspective that leads students to change their major, say from mechanical engineering to business? So I'm I'm working on that. I'm also um, working on finalizing a manuscript with um, two of my former graduate students that were not Q methodology grad students. They were actually in chemistry, but um, we they were both um, visiting professors last year, and we had a little uh, grant. So we were looking at how students feel about having a chemistry oral exam as part of the assessment in their chemistry classes, the, the results might, might surprise you. So we're kind of at the tail end of um, finalizing that manuscript and figuring out where we're going to submit it. Um, and in the meantime, as Seems to be the case. I've been reading some things about um, diversity and inclusion, and academic freedom. Those topics have both been in the news a lot recently. With um, an adjunct being fired, um, even though her institution says she wasn't fired um, for um, sewing a picture in her art class of Muhammad, and um, so I'm kind of got a new study percolating in the back of my head that might look at that kind of interaction between academic freedom and diversity inclusion and how they might fit together. But, you know, that's just something I've been thinking about the last two days.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, that all sounds really interesting. I'll definitely be looking forward to seeing what comes with those projects. Uh, so thank you both so much for coming on the show.
3: Thanks for That's having, us.
2: Thank and you I'll, for having I'll, us. I'll add a little shout out as well to Dan Thomas, your third uh, co editor, who wasn't able to join us today. Um,
1: yeah, he was a- instrumental in this project.
3: Absolutely. Yep.
2: Yeah. All right. This has been a conversation with James Rhodes and Susan Ramlow authors along with Dan Thomas of Cultivating Q Methodology, Essays Honoring Stephen R. Brown, published last year by the International Society for the Scientific Study of Subjectivity.